if you would, to the book of Philemon. That is after the book of Titus and before the book of Hebrews. So, sandwiched in there between Titus and Hebrews. Now, it might be the shortest book that Paul wrote, but it might be one of the most explosive books that he wrote. And I think we'll see that uh, this evening. I don't think there's any doubt that we'll be able to get through the whole book in one week. What do you think, Brother Mark? Do you think we can pull that off? we got um, 25 verses to cover here, but uh, there's a lot here. And so uh, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read from verse 1 down through verse number 6. Once you've found that, please stand. If uh, your health allows you to do that. Good to have Lizette back in the service, back from college It's always good to have our college kids at home, and especially Lizette. She's got a great spirit about her. So get by and say hello to her uh, before you leave tonight. Let her know you're glad she's home. When do you you go back? January 22nd. She's going to be here a good bit, so uh, uh, good to have you here. Let's read. Uh, Beginning in verse 1, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved um, uh, Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Tonight, we're going to look at this title for the Bible study, When Thy Brother Offends Thee. When Thy Brother Offends Thee. You go to church long enough, someone's going to hurt your feelings. What do you do when that happens? What do you do when the offense isn't just, hey, he didn't shake my hand, but the offense runs deep? What do you do? Well, we're going to look at how Paul addressed that with the situation here uh, between a couple of uh, siblings in Christ. Let's let's pray together. Lord, would you bless the Bible study this evening? And for those of us here, or those those that are here that are dealing with um, hurt feelings between them and another sibling in Christ, may tonight be uh, a sermon that puts them on course to get that fixed. And then, Lord, for the rest of us here, Help us to keep this in mind and live by these principles so that, Lord, we can quickly reconcile when uh, things go awry. And uh, we ask tonight that you'd uh, put your hand of uh, power on my lips. Help me to say that which you want me to say. Lord, put your hand of power on the ears of the listeners and help them to hear what they need to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. So I want you to picture how this worked out here, okay? Uh, you have you have uh, a man named Philemon who is a prominent businessman who owned uh, a lot of property he, and he owned his share of slaves. We talked about slavery last week in the service. Uh, I won't recap. I won't say everything I said last week, but I will quickly recap. Um, people that like to to criticize the Bible say, "Well, how can God be morally good?" and and allow and condone slavery. And that just disproves the Bible is true. And the answer is that 
slavery in the Bible didn't look like anything of the slavery of the early founding of this country. Okay? Uh, and nowhere in the Bible does God ever, ever, ever encourage, uh, condone, uh, push people to mistreat another human being. Servants or slaves entered into that of their own free will. If you were someone's servant or slave, it's because you chose to be, not because you were forced to be. And when you became someone's servant or slave, you were given something for your labor. You were given a place to live, and you were given food to eat. And if you want to understand that better, I would encourage you to go back to the Old Testament and read about the year of the Jubilee. Every seven years, they were allowed to walk. And if they wanted to continue to be that person's slave, they could make that choice of their own free will, but they didn't have to be. If they wanted to leave and go be someone else's slave, they could be. If they wanted to walk away and be a free man or woman, they could be. But slavery in the Bible time looked nothing like slavery, say, of uh, of the pre-Civil War days in America. Uh, Philemon was a man in the church of Colossae, and he was uh, a, a prominent member there. Uh, some believe he may have even helped start the church with another man by the name of Tychicus. And uh, Philemon had been led to the Lord by the Apostle Paul. Philemon was a man of wealth. Philemon was a man of power. Philemon was a man who loved God. And Philemon was a man who owned several slaves. So uh, the book of Philemon was written at the same time as the book of Colossians. They were both put into the hands of a man named Tychicus, and Tychicus carried those letters from prison where Paul was back to the church of Colossae. And when uh, Paul had Tychicus read the letter to the church of uh, Colossae, he was most likely holding in his back pocket or behind his back a separate letter that was written to Philemon. In fact, when you get to the end of the book of Colossae, we'll look at it in a minute, get to the book of Colossians, you see that this man who was a prior, a slave or a servant to Philemon. So this book is written by Paul to Philemon about a man who had formerly been his slave and had wronged him. Let's jump in tonight to the outline and uh, let's let the book unfold for us. Number one, if you're taking notes on the back of your bulletin, I encourage you to do that. Number one, notice the sin of Onesimus. The sin of Onesimus. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what Onesimus, Philemon's slave, did to him. But we get the idea that he had really wronged him. Look at verse number 10 with me. Philemon, verse 10. It says, I beseech thee, or I beg thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in times past was to thee unprofitable. Alright? Unprofitable. What does that mean? That means there was a time where Onesimus was there, living with him, and we pieced together by reading the whole book that what had happened to uh, uh, Onesimus is that he had done something wrong to Philemon and had fled. He had ran away. We don't know if he stole from him. Uh, we don't know if he was, uh, like we looked at, uh, I believe it was last week with the book of Titus, how people, uh, slaves were setting things off to the side and misappropriating funds and keeping some of the profit in an underhanded way. We don't know what had happened, but things had soured between Philemon and his servant Onesimus, and Onesimus knew he was in trouble, so Onesimus fled and he ran, and in his running and in his fleeing, uh, his lifestyle caught up to him. 
and he was caught and thrown in prison, where uh, in the same prison that Paul was in. So the sin of Onesimus. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Paul's relationship with Onesimus there in prison. But let me just say here, if I could, that um, uh, this transgression between Onesimus and Philemon represents the transgressions that can happen within a church. Within a church. Uh, there are offenses that are going to come. There are offenses that are going to happen. Let me ask this question tonight. How many of you here have ever had another brother or sister in Christ do something that uh, hurt your feelings or offended you or caused a, uh, a point of strife between you and another sibling in Christ? Would you raise your hand if that's ever happened to you? Hold them up. Hold them up. Let me see. Okay, I think almost everybody's hands up. If your hand isn't up, that means you don't come to church very often or you haven't been going to church very long. Okay? Um, if you show up after church starts and you leave during the closing prayer and the pastor uh, never really says anything that hurts your feelings, then you're safe. Okay? Or if you sleep through the pastor's preaching, then you're safe, right? But if you're going to fellowship before church or after church, or you're going to do things with someone from church outside of church, you're going to have offenses. Do you know why? Because the church is filled with sinners who sin and sin offense. When I'm doing premarital counseling, one of the things I tell uh, the, the, the couple who's madly in love sitting in my office and they think their marriage is going to be perfect and they're never going to have a fight and, you know, they're just... It's, it's all a fantasy, right? Us married people, we know better. But they're, they're sitting there and they're, you know, they're in love. And I say to them, I say, it isn't about winning an argument. It's about getting past the argument as quickly as possible. Right? It's about learning how to deal with your spouse offending you. Because you will be offended. It is a guarantee. They are going to offend you and you've got to learn how to deal with it. Now, the same thing's true at church. Um, uh, when sinners get together and have church, uh, there are going to be times where we have offenses. Now, what are the, the, if we could categorize the type of offenses that happen in church, I would say that there are uh, word offenses where somebody says a cross word or somebody says something that is either passive aggressive or just directly aggressive. And it gets you, it gets your goat, it hurts your feelings. You don't like it, it offends you. And, and that can cause a rift. Sometimes that's dealt with and put to bed uh, quickly. Other times we play the avoid game, right? We see them coming down the hall and we go the other way. Or we make sure we sit as far away from them in the auditorium as possible. Or we go attend a different church because we just can't put up with it anymore. Right? I've seen all of these things happen. Uh, other times, uh, we don't just avoid, but we'll, we'll, we'll tell other people, hey, you need to pray for such and such, because let me tell you, right? We mask our gossip with a prayer request, okay? Uh, so there are those types of offenses where someone says something uh, that uh, you don't like or that you take exception to. But I think maybe uh, worse than that are Christians that get into business dealings with each other, and there is some sort of financial hurt between two siblings in Christ, all right? Let me talk to you about this for a minute, if I could, all right? Um, I have seen Christians really mistreat other Christians financially. 
I've seen Christians loan other Christians money and never get paid back. And oh boy, you want to get someone upset, mess with their money. Okay? I've seen Christians promise someone pay if they come do work for them and then never pay up. Okay? I, I, have, uh, I have seen Christians go in business together. And you have two people who attend the same church. They start a business together. And the next thing you know, one of them is working harder than the other or one's taking money at an unfair rate. And that this thing can fall into the church and really do damage to the church. Here's my advice to you. For the most part, don't do business with another Christian you go to church with. I'm just telling you. That's the best, uh, that's the best thing that you can do. Is it ever, does it ever work? It does sometimes. I've known people here who've done business with each other, and it's worked out okay. Here's another piece of advice I'd give you. Don't ever loan money to anybody. The Bible talks about this, right? This is a biblical principle. Either give it to them without expecting it in return, or don't give it at all. If you can't afford to just lose that money, then don't give it. Then don't give it. Um, that, that's one of the best ways to handle it. The Bible tells us that uh, uh, the love of money is the root of all evil, and Christians get really white-hot real fast with each other because I think even Christians on some level, or really Christians on a deep level, we love money. And we ought not to because it's the root of all evil. But you start messing with people's money within the church, and that can create a lot of problems and offenses. The idea of the, uh, the Bible study night is what to do when your brother offends you or when thy brother offends thee. We see here that Onesimus had wronged Philemon, probably in a financial way. The Bible doesn't give us those details. We can only speculate. Let's move on. Notice number two, the salvation of, of Onesimus. The salvation of Onesimus. Look with me down at verse number 10. It says, I beseech thee for, notice those next two words, my son, my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. Now, that's a, a, that is a common phrase Paul uses about certain other people. He calls Timothy his son. He calls Titus his son. And here he's calling Onesimus his son. What do those three men have in common? Well, Paul most likely led all three of them to the Lord, all of them to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So Paul had met Onesimus in prison and had led him to Christ, led him to a point of salvation. Um, uh, Again, Onesimus stole from Philemon or somehow wronged Philemon. He's on the run. He's a fugitive from the law. Philemon could have taken him and had him in prison. he's, He's on the run. He probably is stealing to get from one town to the next. Somewhere along the way, he's picked up and he's thrown in prison. And he lands in the same prison that Paul is in. And Paul's not there for doing anything other than preaching the gospel of Christ. And they land in the same prison. And Onesimus turns to Paul. And Paul is able to lead him to Christ, and Onesimus serves his term, and it's time for him to go. And Onesimus wants to stay with Paul, but Paul says, no, you've got to go back and you've got to get this thing straightened out between you and Philemon. Now, turn back over to Colossians chapter number 4, and we talked about how Tychicus took this, uh, these letters from Paul's hand to, back to Colossae, uh, the church there in Colossae, and uh, there, uh, uh, oh, there you find Onesimus prominently serving in the church. 
uh, and you have Philemon with Tychicus maybe even hiding in the shadows until things can be straightened out between Tychicus on behalf of Paul and Onesimus. And we get down to the very end of the book. Uh, the beginning of the chapter talks about how that masters are to treat their servants and servants are to treat their masters. And then look with me at chapter 4 and uh, in verse number 7. It says, uh, All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a uh, beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might work uh, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. Now, the way I have this pictured is Onesimus is sort of hiding around the corner. Philemon's in the room, and this hasn't been fixed yet, and now Onesimus is getting ready to come in the door, and Philemon's heart rate is getting ready to start racing when he sees this guy that wronged him. Look at verse 9. Tychicus is reading this letter to the church. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother... Who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. I can see Philemon's countenance totally shift when Onesimus enters the room. Totally shift. What is that scumbag who wronged me doing here? And then I can see old Tychicus reaching behind him and picking up a separate scroll that Paul had written for Philemon and saying, Hey, before you say a word to Onesimus, why don't you go read this? And that's what we're studying tonight is um, we're studying uh, uh, Philemon about uh, uh, what Paul would have in mind here. Now, so, uh, Onesimus gets saved. He gets saved in prison. And i got to say this is uh, uh, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Amen. Uh, I was saved at the age of four, so I don't really remember much uh, of a life of sin uh, I was addicted to the bottle, the milk bottle, right? Um, I, I uh, had a problem uh, uh, watching uh, bad stuff on TV like, you know, like the Disney Channel and Bugs Bunny. Uh, that, that's, uh, that's the type of stuff I was saved from. As some of you here were saved a little bit older in life, how many of you can remember when you walked out of the darkness of your sin and walked into the light of the gospel? How many of you remember that? Would you hold your hand up for me? What a glorious change, right? Uh, my wife was saved at, uh, I believe, nine, well, 19 or 20 years old. And I've talked to her about this many times. Explain to me what that was like, to have an insecurity of your eternal soul and step into that security, that, that, that peace that you make peace with God. And, and uh, to hear her explain that, Onesimus was leaving behind a life of crookedness and sin, and he was entering a life of Christ. He had become a new creature in Christ, and he was committed to right his wrongs. Now, I want you to stop and think about this. Onesimus did not have to make the trip from wherever he was in prison with Paul back to Colossae. He went back because he knew he needed to face the music for what he had done. And he knew Philemon could have taken him to the authorities and had him locked up for what he had done. But Onesimus said, I must own my past and I must fix this. And uh, to Onesimus' credit, he was willing to do that. Let's uh, move on. Notice here number three, Paul's solicitation to Philemon. Paul's solicitation to Philemon. I've got a drier throat than normal tonight, so you have to excuse me here. Paul's going to try to sell uh, Philemon on uh, a very difficult task here. Now, 
Before I move on, I want to tug on your emotions for a minute, okay? I want everybody here who raised their hand, hand earlier saying they've been offended to think just for a moment about how you felt at the apex of that offense. Okay? Don't dwell on it real long, but I just want you for a moment to think about how ugly you felt inside. Now, how would you feel if that person who had wronged you at that moment you felt that way walked into your presence? That's where Philemon was. And Paul is going to ask Philemon a very tall task. But letter A, notice, he asks him to forgive him. To forgive him. Look at verse number 12. It says, Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him. Receive him. That is mine own bowels. Whom I have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. Paul saying here, I wanted to keep him with me, but I couldn't. But without thy mind... Would I do nothing that, the, uh, that thy benefit should not be, as it were, of necessity, but willing? What he's saying here is, I wanted to keep Onesimus with me because he's profitable to me, but I knew that if I was going to maintain a good relationship with you, I needed to send him back so that you could forgive him. You could let this go. This offense between the two of you could be straightened out before Onesimus is able to, to serve with me in, in the bonds of the ministry. Uh, verse 15, for perhaps... He therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. Yes, he wronged you and he ran. He's coming back. And while there was a rift in your relationship, you need to uh, uh, receive him. You need to forgive him. And that forgiveness needs to be permanent. So uh, forgive him. The best thing you can do when a sibling in Christ offends you is forgive them. That is the best thing you can do. I would encourage you, I'm not going to go into any of it tonight, but uh, a long time ago I preached a sermon here entitled, What to Do with Church Hurts. And I shared all of my war stories uh, from growing up in church and all of the times that I've been hurt. And I gave a little uh, brief summary on many of the different uh, uh, hurts. And i got to tell you, I've got stories to, to match you tick for tack. Uh, but, but listen, I could not be here today doing what I'm doing in love with this church, in love with the concept of church, uh, uh, preaching the gospel at church, if I hadn't forgiven those brothers in Christ who have offended me along the way. If you don't forgive your brother, God is not ever going to forgive you and your prayers will not be heard. You're sitting there with aught between you and a sibling in Christ. You're wasting your time praying until you go to them and you make it right. You say, well, Pastor, I went to them and tried to make it right, and they didn't want to have anything to do with it. Well, you've done your part. You need to keep a tender spirit. So if they ever approach you and they're ready to fix things, then you're ready to fix things too. You can't, you can't forgive for them, but you can forgive them in your own heart. And so you've got to be willing to forgive. When you forgive the person that's hurt you, you are not releasing them, you're releasing yourself. In fact, the opposite of unforgiveness is drinking poison and expecting them to die. Don't do that. 
Someone wrongs you, just forgive them. All right. So Paul's telling Onesim, or Paul's telling Philemon here about Onesimus. He says, "Listen, I, I want to sell you, solicit you on a bill of goods here. The first thing you've got to do with this young man is you've, he's saved now. You've got to forgive him. Letter B, uh, notice here, you've got to free him. You've got to free him now." When I say free him, I mean this in the sense of slave and slave owner. You you can't take him back in and treat him like a slave anymore. He's your brother. He's your brother. Look at verse 16. Not now as a servant, look here, but above a servant, a brother, beloved, especially to me. But how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord? When this guy left, he stole from you, most likely, and he ran. And he was just a lowly servant below you. Now he's gotten saved. He's repented both in in his mind and in his actions from what he's done. He's coming to you to make recompense. He's, He's willing to apologize to you, look you in the eye and tell you he's wrong, and even repay him. You need to forgive him, and you need to understand that you've got to free him. Not only can you not take him to the Roman authorities and have him uh, jailed for what he did as a Christian. No, on top of that, you've also got to release him as slave and slave owner. You've got to release him. Look uh, back with me, uh, if you would, there. Uh, rather, uh, we'll, we'll turn back over. We'll look at that in a minute. Okay, so free him. Letter C, notice, fellowship with him. Fellowship with him. Now, I'm going to tell you, of the three... This is the most difficult one for your pastor. People that have wronged me, I have no problem forgiving them. And emotionally, I have no problem freeing them. But they're, okay, this is just me being very open and transparent tonight. All right? There are some folks walking this planet today. None of them live in the Stratford area, okay? They all live in other parts of the country, and I've gone to church with them in other places. There are some folks that if you said to me, you need to go there and sit down and have lunch with them. I would have a hard time with that. I'd have a hard time with that. But, but I'm wrong. And I need to get to a place where I forgive them on a level where I'm able to fellowship uh, with them. Especially if they're willing, they're willing to apologize for what they've done wrong. Now, if they're not, I'm not going to go sit down and have lunch with them. But if they call me and they're truly sorry for what they did, I ought to be willing to go and say, okay, let's fellowship again. Let me show you something really interesting here. You've got to dig below the surface of the passage a little bit. But uh, look at verse 17. If thou count me, Paul speaking to Philemon about himself, if thou count me, Paul, therefore a, notice that next word there, a partner. Receive him, Onesimus, as myself, Paul. Now, this is really fascinating. Okay? The Greek word there for partner is the Greek word koinonia. Koinonia, and it means fellowship, mutual participation. Look back with me at verse number 6. That the koinonia, communication. The same word translated partner in verse 17 is the same root word translated as communication in verse 6. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual or effective, by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Once you understand what Paul's trying to accomplish with this book, uh, with this epistle, this letter, you can kind of see how Paul is setting Onesimus up in the beginning of the book. And he's really playing on Onesimus' faith 
And then saying to him, okay, listen, your faith isn't just theory that you sit in a chair and you think about. Your faith is something that you live out. You live out. I can stand here all night and talk about forgiving people that have hurt you. You can sit there all night and listen to it. That's not enough. You've got to be willing to get up and go do it. You understand that? You get a fellowship. Fellowship. Why? Because that's what makes church work. This idea of koinonia. Fellowship. Mutual participation. Uh, getting down in the trenches and doing the work of the Lord uh, together. The Paul's solicitation to Philemon. Now, again, this is a tall order for Paul to ask of Philemon. For him to look at him and say, this guy wronged you, he left, now he's coming back, you need to forgive him. As his slave owner, you need to free him, and now you need to turn around and fellowship with him. Paul, uh, uh, Paul is asking Philemon to do to not just do enough, he's asking him to go the extra mile, and it's got to be very hard for Philemon to hear this, and Paul has got to try to sell Philemon on this idea through just the writing of a letter. He's not taking him out to lunch and trying to talk him into it. No, he's just trying to do this from a letter. So Paul pulls a brilliant move. And uh, let's finish out the sermon by looking at Paul's brilliant move to, to talk Philemon into this. Number four, notice the symbolism of Calvary. The symbolism of Calvary. Fascinating enough, I did some study and some research. The book of Philemon is the only book, the only letter that Paul wrote, where he doesn't directly talk about the cross of Christ. The only book. He talks about it directly in every other letter that's in the Bible. But he doesn't talk about it here in Philemon. He doesn't talk about it because he lives it out. He shows it. He shows it by doing it himself. Showing what Christ did on the cross, he steps up and does the gospel, and he reconciles Philemon with Onesimus by being the Christ of the book, by being the mediator between the two, okay? Let's uh, look at a letter A and a B here. Notice reconciliation. Reconciliation. This is really fascinating. Look at verse 17. It says, If thou count me therefore a partner... Receive him as myself. Look at verse 18. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee not, put that on mine account. Hmm. So over here you got Onesimus, whose guilty is charged. Over here you've got Philemon, who is um, uh, not done anything wrong, but has been offended, has been uh, transgressed against. And in the middle, you've got Paul saying, Onesimus, give me your wrongdoings and put it on my account. And I want you, Philemon, to treat Onesimus the way you treat me because I, I will take his wrongdoing on me. Now, if, you don't, if you're not quite following along yet, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse number 19 with me.
Now notice here it says, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses, humanity's trespasses, unto them, and hath committed unto us as the word of reconciliation. Look at verse 21. For he hath made him, he God, hath made him Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. If you go back to this idea of Onesimus and Philemon, uh, you could you could almost see here Jesus saying to God, I don't want you to punish humanity. I want you to take their wrongdoing and I want you to put it on me and then treat them the way that you would have treat me. That's exactly what Philemon here is being told by Paul. He's saying, just like Jesus is saying to God, treat humanity the way you treat me and take their transgression and put it on me. He's saying, Philemon, treat Onesimus the way you would treat me and then take his wrongdoings and lay them on my account. Funny enough, uh, Paul is sitting in a prison for preaching the gospel while he's saying this. Reconciliation. Paul is saying, listen, you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You need to learn how to forgive, to free, and to fellowship. Better be, look at realization. Realization. In verse number 19 of Philemon. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. Albeit, I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, Philemon, if you really, really, really want me to pay you back for what this guy took from you, I will. But I don't want you to forget, I'm the one that told you about the saving grace of God. You owe me your eternal life. Not that I died for you, but I told you about it. And had I not come and led you to a saving knowledge of Christ, my friend, there's a good chance you'd be on your way to hell. Realization. He said, you need to forgive this guy. Verse 20. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Free him. Forgive him. Fellowship with him. Turn back over to Colossians 3. And and keeping in mind that these two books go hand in hand. They were written at the same time, delivered at the same time. Uh, 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 Onesimus would have been faced with both of these books at the same time, or letters at the same time to read. Look at Colossians 3, verse 11. And again, I have to think that Paul is looking over the way at Onesimus in the jail cell down the uh, 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 jail cell uh, close to him. And maybe he's even looking up while this is being penned, seeing Onesimus getting ready to be freed. Verse 11, knowing that he's getting ready to go back to face Philemon, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, uh, 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 Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ in, is, is all and in all. He, he's saying here that when it comes to our eternality, when it comes to who we are in Christ, there, there is no difference in us. Greek or Jew, there's no difference between race and Christ. Um, bond nor free, hey, uh, rich and poor, the foot is, or the, the level is ground, uh, the, the ground is level, there it is. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, right? Onesimus, you may have been the slave owner, 
But you got saved by humbling your heart at the cross the same way that your slave Onesimus got saved. You both had to get down and humble your heart and be saved. And because you both got saved the same way, and you're both redeemed the same way, and you're both going to the same heaven, you're both equal in the Lord. So don't treat, don't treat him like he's less than you. You need to realize, you need to recognize that you have been sanctified. Now, I, uh, I get a little bit of a, a chuckle out of this because um, it might just be that I'm a Bible nerd and I, I'm entertained by things the average person isn't. Cause I, <laughs> I, uh, you know, you, you see a computer nerd and uh, we, we, had a, we had a correlation here. We had a staff Christmas party yesterday and someone gave Brother Joe back here a mug that said something about, no, I won't fix your computer. You should put Linux on it to begin with. And that's not funny to anybody but, like, Joe, because he's a computer nerd, okay? There are some people, um, I think it might be funny to you, too, because you're a computer nerd, too, right? This is Joe's brother-in-law. But uh, there are some things that I might find funny, the average person doesn't find funny, because, you know, I'm, like, I'm not a computer nerd, but I'm, I guess I'm so, somewhat of a Bible nerd. But what I see here in Paul is a total, and we'll look at the last point here, number five, a total salesman, okay? The salesmanship of Paul. Paul is really trying to work Philemon over. And you almost get this nod and a wink at the end of the book where he's saying, you need to do this. And then he uses suggestive salesmanship. This is like when you're looking at a car at the dealership and and before you've even decided to buy it, they're asking you, do you want that with cloth or leather interior? You're like, I haven't even decided what I'm going to buy. And you're already asking me what I want the trim package, right? Paul is just assuming he's assuming the sale here. He's assuming that uh, Philemon's going to accept him and forgive him. Look at verse 21. Having confidence in thy obedience, is if you don't do it, now you're going to be disobedient. I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. You are going to forgive him, and you're even going to take it a step above everything I'm saying. Verse 22. But withal, prepare me also a lodging. For I trust also that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. He said, look, uh, uh, I want you, when I get back in town, have a room ready for me because I'm going to come in and stay with you. And you find some of those other uh, clues in here, hints in here. He calls them his brother several times. And I almost feel like um, there's a little bit of this pious cheapness in college, uh, Bible college. You'd have these guys walk around and they act like they're hyper-spiritual you don't know anything about that, do you, Lizette? You never seen anybody like that at, at your college? It's a little bit of that, a little bit of that, right? They walk around there, oh, they're holier than thou, and oh, brother, praise the Lord, brother. Everything's brother, brother, brother. And they walk up and they say, "How you doing, brother? It's good to see you, brother." And then you say, "What's my name?" They say, "How you doing, brother?" They don't know your name, right? And they got this little, little bit of piousness about it. And so when I read this, I chuckle a little bit, uh, uh, thinking back on Paul with that. But Paul is saying to him here, he's assuming the sale a little bit. He's saying here, hey, look. I know you're going to do this. I know your maturity in Christ, and I know that you're going to forgive Onesimus for what he's done. I'll just finish with this. Has someone wronged you? Probably. If not, hang around. It's going to happen. If you won't forgive them, can I just, can I just be blunt with you right now? If you won't forgive someone who's wronged you, do you know what that comes down to? It comes down to your Pride. 
You remember the story of Matthew 18 where the guy got forgiven of the debt? Then he leaves. He goes across the street. He grabs the other guy by the collar and says, give me my $100 after he'd just been forgiven of millions of dollars. You won't forgive someone who's wronged you. You're the guy grabbing your friend by the neck for $100. Say, but pastor, you don't know what that person did to me. And they're not even sorry for what they did. Um, even if the guy across the street that owed him 100 bucks refused to pay him, he should just let it go, right? Right? I mean, he just got forgiven of millions of dollars. No, I don't know what you have had done to you in every instance, but I do know that your sin nailed Jesus to the cross and he forgave you. So tell me why it is, again, you can't let it go. You can't, you can't free and forget. Now look, you can only do as much as going to them and showing a humble spirit and a willing to, rec- a willing to reconcile, willingness to reconcile. And if they're not ready to reconcile, there's nothing you can do. But you always need to keep a tender heart that you can get those things fixed. With that said, I don't know of any um, uh, strong conflicts uh, in the church uh, at this moment. Um, I have known of some since I've been the pastor here, but uh, I don't know of any at the moment, any strong animosity or hatred in someone's heart toward another per se. But if that's you, I don't, I'm not God, I don't know everything. If that's you... Will you do your best to reconcile? Will you do your best to take Paul's advice to Philemon here? And will you forgive? Will you let that go so that God will begin to bless your life? Amen? Let's stand to be dismissed with a word of prayer. Not next week. Next week, uh, the, this, the lights will be off. The auditorium will be empty. And I won't be here. But uh, next Wednesday, next Monday I will be. But the following Wednesday will be in the book of Hebrews. So that'll be good. We'll be starting that book. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll, uh, we'll be dismissed uh, tonight. Brother Mark, Bontanimous, please close us in prayer.